And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Kim Savetta, survivor of inoperable cancer, whose life-threatening illness brought her face-to-face with her mortality. With no religious background, Kim was transported to heaven in a shift of consciousness during a self-healing regime of fasting and deep surrender, bringing forth the profound message that heaven is indeed real. Kim, thank you for joining me and welcome. Yes, thank you, Jeff, so much for having me on your show. I'm a big fan. Well, thank you. Excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. Kim, can you start with telling us about your experience. Yes. So I was um, diagnosed the second round of um, cancer. It was melanoma and it had mastocized. It was inoperable. Um, My oncologist at that time had given me a really extreme kind of medicine to um, help it to shrink. And then I was supposed to be able to get a surgery to get it out. But that medicine um, didn't shrink it enough. And the downside of that medicine is that if you don't get it out, it's going to just wreak havoc and grow very quickly and basically kill you if you don't get it out. So I was in that place. Um, The surgeon told me, there's no way that I will touch you on this surgery. You know, you're going to die on the table. The doctor's pushing. I, I don't recommend it. So I went home from that doctor's appointment. And I, I didn't want my kids to hear me cry because there were no answers. So I actually went into our walk-in closet and I was doing a health regime of wheatgrass. I was fasting. I was doing everything I could on the alternative green side of things. And for, for years and, um, I really didn't want to do Western at all, but I had no choice. So I was there and I went into the closet and I just laid down to just ask for help to pray. And um, I was just in a state, I, I can't even describe how desperate I was. And up until this point, I was kind of in this place where I was like, I'm going to do this myself. You know, I'm not going to tell a lot of people. I didn't want people to look at me differently because I'm in the public eye at times. So I just wanted to be like, I can handle this on my own, eating healthy. You know, I don't, I don't need any help kind of thing. And so I was in this meditation, just laying down, kind of curled on my side and just crying and asking God for help. Just, um, I said, you know, I was asking Jesus, if you want me, you know, I'll go, I'll go. I finally got to the place where I was like, okay, this looks like I don't have any control over this at all. And so I just said, I'm willing, I am willing, I will surrender if this is what, if I'm supposed to pass, I'll do it but I want to ask and I get emotional every time um, because my children were young. I just said, if I could just live for my children, you know, that's, if I could just ask that, you know, to give me a chance to give me, you know, um, some little, little way of healing that I just have not looked into. 
And so I was crying and I was in a very deep state of meditation and surrender and breathing. And all of the sudden, um, this is not new to me because I have, uh, you know, psychic medium gifts. Um, so there was this transportation is the way, the only way that I can describe it is that I awoke. I was no longer aware of the closet. I was no longer aware of, you know, like how the floor felt. Um, and I was laying in the same position, but I woke up and I saw this intelligent mist. Okay. So maybe some people might think of it as like clouds, like heavenly clouds, but it wasn't clouds. It was a mist that was white and every molecule, every atom of those uh, molecules that were not molecules, atoms that were not atoms, uh, this mist that was not like a physical mist, it was intelligent. It was the extension of Jesus. And it felt almost like an extension of his white robe that was just the foundation of what I was laying on. And when I sat up, I say sat up um, physically, like just in my soul, I sat up. I was told there was like this instantaneous download. So it's like a clairvoyant knowing and it happens lightning fast. So it wasn't like I heard the voice of God telling me what to do. It was like, I just knew it and it was happening now. So there's no delay in time where I'm asking a question and then I wait and then I receive an answer. So I knew immediately that this was Jesus and that he, it was all, all of heaven was an extension of his immense unconditional love. And it's um, a love that there's no way to describe in any kind of vocabulary um, that we have on earth. It's like, you know, you know that you would die for your kids and that that is your ultimate love or your pet, or, you know, there's this love that we experience, but it's not even, it's not even a, an inkling of what that love is. And I was basking in the knowledge that I was there and that I was in the presence of Jesus. And I didn't grow up religious. I didn't have, you know, my parents, it was the late seventies. They were into gurus. They did. They wanted me to find God in my own way. At one point, I think I asked like, why don't we go to church? Would you, would you take me to church? And they were like, we're not stepping foot <laughs> in any church. You know, we want you to find God in your own way. And so this was like, you know, I, I probably was a little, I guess, like rebellious in some ways. Like if I saw a bump, bumper sticker that said, Jesus loves you, I would be like, well, what, what does that mean? And like, you're making it so small. But I understood on every level how he loves me and us and you. I knew it without a doubt. And so there was this invisible cross on this mist. Like, so I couldn't see it with my spiritual eyes or my physical eyes. 
it was like a cross that was known that was laying down. And I was in the Southwest corner of that cross. And I was made to know that I should not cross uh, this line. I should not get up and walk around. I shouldn't go in front of me or to the side of me. I should stay where I was. And there was this song, but it's not like music. You know, I'm a musician, so uh, I'm a singer. So this is not anything that I can describe. You know, um, it's not like the healing frequencies. It wasn't own. It wasn't um, many of the things that I looked into uh, from quantum physics. This was a sound of all of the souls in heaven. And it was like, I hope this is not too religious of a term, but it was like a constant praise. Honestly, it was like a sound that was not human in any way, shape or form. And it just went all inside of me. And I knew his love. I knew it's so hard to describe um, that unconditional love that we're all looking for. We're looking for it in food. We're looking for it in, you know, substance. We're looking for it in our spouse, in our children, in our best friend, and in everything. We're looking for that unconditional love. And the reason we are always slightly empty is that we remember what we came from, which is that state, that state of absolute <laughs> unconditional love. It's like the immenseness of it is just, um, I just started crying, but not out of tears. It was like this joy in knowing, oh my gosh, I, how, how could I have forgotten this? I I did not understand how I could have forgotten something this immense, um, the constant, unconditional love and sound of love. You know, um, it's it's almost like you know, could this have been the sound of creation? You know, the point of creation. Um, I just was completely, completely overwhelmed. And I um, immediately, I, I knew like off in the distance. So I have seen um, like in my early 20s, I had um, an experience with Jesus. So um, I did not see his form. It was like, on the horizon, like I was laying on this mist and on this horizon was this white, you know, extending mist that felt to me as though it was his white robe that was the all of heaven. And as soon as I, <laughs> I was there and I felt that and I was told not to cross and that I was aware of this is what we come from, I was immediately sent back into my body. And I was, Jeff, I was crying tears of, don't just take me back. I don't want to be here, you know? And I was praying for my children, you know, to be with my children. And yet, when I was separated from that, 
I didn't want to be back here. I wanted to be there. I wanted, I never wanted to leave. Um, and it, it was just, I just was crying and I felt like uh, so heavy. I felt like there was like, you know, you could actually feel the dense, the density of, you know, gravity again, you know, like just on my body. I was just, I felt like I was lead and I felt pain again. And I felt um, the sorrow of having inoperable cancer, like all of that. But I could not believe that I wanted to stay and not be with my family. That was, uh, that was the reason I was praying. So I believe I was shown that I'm not done <laughs> and that um, there was a lot to do with, you know, um, helping to guide and navigate navigate my children and our life and my life purpose in, you know, writing this book, you know, that heaven in my eyes that you can see here. Um, I mean, I, at least I feel, I hope that um, this biography of um, the experiences I've had with the heavenly realm could possibly help someone that's viewing um, to inspire their own um, experiences um, and to, you know, just have that knowledge that it's not just nothing when we die. It is not. And all the pain that we feel here and everything that we're going through, um, there is absolute love on the other side. So um, that is my story <laughs> about being transported um, to heaven and coming back. Now, um, I came back and the very next day, a dear friend that um, was working on um, lymphatic cancer patients at, uh, excuse me, her, her job, she said she was working on someone and they wouldn't stop talking about this doctor for melanoma that was the best, you know, the best, and that she gave me his phone number. And I went to him, I left that current oncologist, and I went to him, and I'm cured. I'm in remission. There were no answers, and he had answers that she didn't have. So it's, it's, I feel in my heart of hearts that it was that visitation that Jesus found that doctor. I feel that I received that unconditional love that led to healing. And also in the physical realm, I was able to find an option through him. Kim, thank you for sharing your amazing experience with him. Are you saying that you were cured in heaven or once you got back he gave you some kind of new medication that cured you or at least sent you in remission there was there was a time frame i went to that doctor immediately it wasn't like i didn't have cancer like as soon as i came back um i feel like time doesn't exist there and that um although it's miraculous to me because there were no answers um that this doctor had some new immunotherapies that were pretty risky. Um, but 
there was, I'm in remission. I have no cancer. There was no, there was no way that there was going to be a path for me. And yet after this experience, there was. So I'll leave that up to the listener um, to, you know, process that. And I think it's almost a hybrid because my healing was hybrid. I was very, I was doing everything green, everything possible, you know, fasting and wheatgrass and, you know, all of that, you know, radical forgiveness, you know, everything that you've ever looked into, um, you know, for self-healing, I was doing it. And I had a somewhat of a, like, I just didn't want to do Western. And yet I was taught that, yes, this is the answer. Uh, The hybrid of this is the answer. And so that really was very humbling because I was kind of holding on to this thing like, I'm just going to heal myself and I don't need to tell anybody about this. And then once that happened and that experience happened with um, Jesus, um, there was just prayer. I started opening up about it. Um, And there's just like this plethora of support that I wasn't allowing myself to have until I was transported. Would you say that the experience in heaven either brought the doctor to you or helped you manifest the doctor? I believe that Jesus had that friend tell me about that doctor without a doubt. 150%. Why did it happen the next day? You know, I mean, I've been talking to this friend for years. Didn't know anything about this doctor. Hmm. So I feel like um, it's also a message. um, You know, I've, I've heard on other broadcasts that I've done that there are some people that just will not choose Western. They just won't. Um, and then there's other people that won't look into, you know, natural. And so I just say to you that it may not be exactly the way you um, perceive that it is going to be. You know, it may be that you have to, uh, as in my case, I'm not saying this is anybody else's case, but I had to like let go of my ego and my I don't want to say let go of my will to live, but in a way I had to accept that path that, you know, that I was basically facing death. I was facing my uh, mortality and that that's a big thing, you know, because I'm pretty protective. I'm a mama bear and I wasn't about to do that. And here I found myself saying, okay, if I'm going, I'm going. And I think that that was part of the healing. I think it was like almost accepting the will of God almost. And then in doing so, there was an answer. It's almost like, you know, a conundrum in in ways where it's like opposite of what I thought it would be. Would you say that your experience was dreamlike and could be from a dream or it, it was more real than you and I sitting here talking? It's more real than you and I talking. I didn't want to leave there. The Every single molecule was filled with unconditional love. And there's no way to describe it in earthly terms. And so that experience was like, this is my real life. 
This is this is where we all come from. This is what we remember. This is why we're confused and looking here and looking there for that unconditional love. And um, we're meant to forget, I believe. We're meant to forget about it because I, I when I was there, I was like, wow, this is so complete, absolute, and immense. How is it that I could have forgotten? You know, um, I just, I just remember, um, I just, I don't know. I thought of this. Um, I remember when I was two years old, I, you know, and who, who of us has memory when they're two years old, but I remember this, like it was yesterday. Also, um, I was looking at a screen door at the courtyard and I was watching kids play and they were fighting over a toy you know, and hitting each other and calling each other names and running from each other. And I remember hopping outside of my body, like I was in this little two-year-old body. And then part of me went on the outside of my body and it was in a voice like, like now, like a, like an adult voice. And I heard, I heard my voice say, I didn't think it would be this violent. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And so where was I from that was the absence of violence? Where was I from that, you know, I agreed possibly with God to come into a body and to spread love and light or uh, however you want to term it. But then when I saw that, I was just like, you know, it's, it, I just didn't realize that it would be this violent. And so that's, that to this day, I wrote about that in my book too. It's like, you know, where did I come from? And that's where it started. You know, I had a lot of, uh, you know, gifts as a child, you know, where I would see light around people. Um, I had the sense of spirit and, um, you know, in my early 20s, it all started with Jesus, which is kind of amazing. In my early 20s, that was my first visitation with him. And um, that was a time where, um, you know, I've been with my husband many, many, many years. And we met when we were 17. And we have been together this whole time, um, 38 years. That's great. And so, yeah. <laughs> And um, work together, live together, everything. And we had this little breakup when I was like 21. And um, I was crying myself to sleep. I didn't, I didn't want to turn off the light. Um, I was scared to turn the light off and he wasn't there. And I actually didn't know how to sleep by myself, you know, and I was just heart brokenhearted. And um, earlier that week, Again, I'll say again, I have not been religious. I, you know, didn't have that upbringing. But earlier that week, a cousin had sent me a Bible, right? They'd sent me the Holy Bible. They thought that, you know, there was, that I needed help, you know? <laughs> and so on the Holy Bible, it said my name and it was sitting on the nightstand. And I was just kind of like staring at it just out of, I hadn't opened it or read it or anything, but I just stared at it like almost like, you know, just yelling, like, God, help me. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Now, I wasn't calling to Jesus because at that time, I really wasn't aware of him. You know, I wasn't aware of uh, 
you know, the Bible or the word or Jesus or anything like that. And so um, he, I was looking and when I rolled back over, I had a 3D experience. So I was in my body with the vision, but I was floating above my body with sight. And I was also uh, looking across the room at a rocking chair that was by a window. And I saw this man in a white robe rocking me. And when I looked down in this body, it was like a 3D thing. When I looked down, I saw his white robe, you know, holding, holding me and rocking me. And that's when I, that was my first open vision. Um, and that was with Jesus. I knew that it was him. And I, uh, that's when I accepted him into my heart, you know, and from there, there was a lot of, um, you know, I started to have uh, the gift of spiritual discernment, or if you want to call it psychic mediumship, you know, people would visit me, you know, in the middle of the night with a message for their loved ones. Um, everything came from that, that point on. Um, and I tried to keep it quiet for a long time because I didn't think, I thought maybe people would think I was crazy. They wouldn't accept me. You know, I didn't really share um, any of these experiences until um, I started to write the book. And that was after healing from cancer. Have you had experiences with other biblical figures like Mother Mary or Archangels? I have, I have. Like, so if we're going in chronological order, I had, um, when my son was two, he's 18 now, but when he was two, he was playing with a train, you know, and just going, choo-choo, you know, like just doing these nice little sounds. And I was laying on the carpet, just listening to him and kind of going in that, that deep, you know, state where I was just open. And I, um, it's like that happiness place, you know, just my, my little boy and listening to him. And I started to ask this question, like almost like a nonchalant conversation, but it was in, it was inside. And I was like, I wonder if, you know, are archangels really real? Because maybe, maybe they're just like, we have to draw them and paint them so that we have a, like a physical thing to relate to. I mean, aren't they just light and aren't they just, you know, like part of God or, you know, like whatever. And I just felt, I was just laying there. I was just like talking to myself. And as I lifted my head up, I saw Archangel Michael sitting on the fireplace stoop. Now, when I say that, somehow this download hit me, like where it's all telepathic for me. All of it is telepathic. It's not like an actual auditory voice that's happening. I just knew that he was seven foot four. Um, he had that breastplate on, you know, that he looked somewhat Nordic to me. He had this breastplate on with this bronze. He had long hair. Um, he had a shield. And he said really loudly inside of my head, like this booming voice, I am real like that. And I was like, <gasps> and at that time, I didn't really want to face that I had these gifts of, you know, being able to see 
spirit and, and angels and all that. And so I ran into the kitchen because I was like, okay, I wasn't, uh, aren't, you know, big time people supposed to see things like this. I mean, I'm nobody. Why, why just asking a simple question, why would I see him? You know, and the only way I can describe him is that, you know, like in the Bible, I, I don't know, um, there's this, you know, he's supposed to accompany Jesus in the end times, you know, if you're, if you're reading that, like that is one of the stories in Revelations. And so I didn't know anything about him, but I knew his name as soon as I saw him and I knew his height and I knew who he was. And he is the warrior of the universe. I mean, he is, there's no question in his power. I mean, I do believe that that verse in the Bible, like in later years, I did go to that. And I do believe that because he's just, it's, it's like, you know, darkness or negative energy or whatever cannot exist in his presence. I just don't, you know, so that was, that was uh, unbelievable. <laughs> that experience with Archangel Michael. All right. Well, what about Mother Mary? Okay. So my experience with Mother Mary, again, I have to go back in years that, you know, not religious, wasn't Catholic, didn't grow up in a Catholic upbringing. You know, I just bring up Catholicism because they're, you know, predominantly focused on Mother Mary. And so I um, had gone through my first bout of cancer and I was supposedly had clear margins. I had had a surgery and uh, for melanoma and it was like clear, but I still had this doubt as I was, you know, over 40, I think it was like 42. I knew I was supposed to have another child, but I just had this like awful pain. Like, could, could I actually do that? What, you know, having had cancer, would that, you know, um, hurt the pregnancy? Would I be able to do it? I was already 42, like all those questions. And I was, you know, going through that mind chatter as I was falling asleep um, and I was sleeping with my son. I was co-sleeping with him and he was little and um, I just fell asleep with, you know, tears, mascara on the pillow and all that. And I was awoken at dawn or at least I think it was done because there was this pink light in the room, although the, the blinds were drawn. So not sure how the light was going into the room, but there was this feeling of pink, you know, pink and pink light. And I felt on the side of the bed, I felt this like pressure change, like this dense pressure change. And I heard a voice I didn't see this, this uh, messenger. I heard it auditorily. This is the one that I heard auditorily. It was a female voice. It was very gentle. And it said, go out into the garden and dig. So I, um, you know, go out into the garden and dig. I started to argue. My mind came in. I was like, I'm not going to leave Landon. You know, I'm not going to go out there and dig. It's first thing in the morning. I'm, you know. Bah, 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 bah. And so the voice kept repeating, but not in elevated frustration or anything like that. It was just, it's already happening. And it was accompanied by a heavenly map. 
And this heavenly map was of our rose garden. And there was an arrow pointing to a particular rose bush. And it said, dig here. And it was in white cursive. Okay, so this, I'm getting this heavenly map. So I said out loud, okay, I'm listening. So I put on my Uggs, I put on my robe, I walk outside. And as I'm walking, it was almost like time didn't exist. I felt a difference in air pressure. Uh, again, it was like I it was like I wasn't on the earth or something. It felt much different. Not like the heavenly experience I told you about, but it was definitely like a state of now and a state of love. So I went into the garden. I sat down on the bench for a minute. I don't even know why I sat down. I just decided to sit down. All of a sudden, and this is going to sound like something from a movie. Like, I, I don't even, like, sometimes I ask myself, did that really happen? So four hummingbirds, synchronistically, two on either side, just hovering there for like 15 seconds. Now in hummingbird land, that's a long time. And I was just sitting there and I was like, what is happening? And so again, as soon as the hummingbirds kind of departed, I saw not, I did not hear the voice again, but I saw the heavenly map. Here's the rose bush. Here's the arrow. Dig here, all in white. So I get up and I'm, you know, moving away like dried leaves from the trees because it's winter. So I'm moving that all away. And I go down into the soil by this rose tree. And it's soft because, you know, we've been watering, it's been raining. So I'm digging down about four inches. And I was like, oh. and I can't, this is, I have it with me if you want to see it. Mm -hmm. So I find this figurine there in the soil. Wow. And I dropped to my knees and I started crying because I was like, mother, like that's mother Mary, you know? And I looked at her, I was brushing away the dirt. And, but then I realized, I was like, what, what is this? So I don't know if I can get it. Wait, close enough. But do you see she has no hands? Yeah. Okay. The hands are off. Right. So that was a little like, why are the hands off? Right. So I, I knew that the message was that I was going to have another child and that it would be a girl. I knew it without a doubt. She came to me. I know that um, she oversees children. Um, she has a very soft spot, that love for children. Obviously, she saw her son suffer. So I think that she's really powerful in that and that she is powerful in prayer I don't think that she's the one that's doing the healing um, necessarily, but I do believe that she is very powerful to call on for children. And in this case, for me, it was, you know, asking if I could have another child and then I got this message. So I kept it quiet. I cleaned her off. I put her away. I put this statue away, the little figurine. And Years later, when I had the second bout of cancer, I had had my daughter, Lyric, I had her and um, was just like, wow. And I think that I just kept it quiet for a long time. But then when I went through the second bout of cancer, 
it was on Mother's Day. And I thought, there's got to be somebody that would support me in finding this. And so I, I went to a Catholic church because I thought, who knows better about Mother Mary than, uh, you know, Catholics, right? Right. So I'm there. I listen to the, you know, the mass. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm standing up and sitting down. I, I didn't really quite know what to do. I went into the gift shop. I put the I put the statue back into the car. And I just went into the gift shop to just, you know, look around. And this woman walked up to me and she's like, something about you. I don't know what it's about. You know, come to find she's like the head of all the sabbaticals, right? She's like, there's just, a, I'm just so drawn to you. What's going on? Yeah. And we're just talking. And I was like, well, you know, I came here for <laughs> some answers. Would you just stay here? I'm just going to go get this. So I went to the car. I get it out of my pretty box with the rose petals and all this. And I, show her this this figurine and I told her the story and I said I don't know what it means you know I don't know what why, why would she have no hands you know and so she goes would you wait here and I was like sure and so she gets the the father the priest to come and he's blessing the figurine he's blessing me and it was almost like, you know, everybody's stopped now. The conversations in the gift shop have stopped. Everybody's kind of like, what is going on here with this situation? And um, one of the devout uh, Catholic women came up and she goes, do you know what it means when you find a statue or a figurine or uh, you come across this where uh, it doesn't have hands? And I was like, no, I don't. And she said, it means that you are to be the mother, the mother's hands in the world. That's why she has no hands on the figurine and you are to be the hands in the world. And so that one, I was like, yeah, but I'm nobody. <laughs> like, why? What? I'm not even Catholic. Like, I, you know, like, why, why are these things happening to me? You know, um, and then why, you know, is it all right to talk about them? You know, um, you, you know, not so welcome in certain circles because I'm on the line of, you know, seeing these heavenly figures. I, I've never seen guides. The only, the only heavenly uh, figures I've seen are, of course, Jesus, Archangel Michael, Mother Mary, and then people on the other side, loved ones on the other side that have messages for their, their loved ones that are here and that I work with them with, you know, grief um, and trauma through the sessions that I do with them with AIM. So Angel Intuitive Ministry, I do sessions through that. And so it's kind of like, okay, where do I belong? For many years, I had a question of where do I belong? And I looked into a lot of things. And I think where I belong is just maybe even carving out a place for many of us who, you know, just by writing this book and coming out and, and sharing and um, just saying that it's okay for you to have gifts and that it's okay to share. I mean, right now I feel like there's a huge movement and, and I'm so grateful to you for your uh, channel because it's like you're giving so many of us a forum to share that heaven is real. It, it, it is 
it is real. It's not just some, you know, human. Yeah, well, we need to come up with this so that, you know, we feel comfortable on earth. And so um, that was, I just decided, okay, if I don't totally belong anywhere, I'll just, you know, write my book <laughs> and do my sessions and um, start to share on broadcasts such as the one that you hold just to get that message out there. Have you had any other paranormal experiences? I have. Um, I've, I've, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's this one story that's pretty cool. So it was, um, I was in Lake Tahoe. We were going to perform for uh, New Year's Eve. My husband and I have a band. And so we flew up there to do New Year's Eve there. And I had just gotten the news that I had cancer and it was the first diagnosis. So I was really like not in a good place at that time. I was like, how am I even going to perform? You know, how am I going to keep this from everybody? You know, leader of the band, lead singer, like how am I supposed to do all this? So I um, walked into Jamba Juice. Okay. And I'm getting my wheatgrass. I'm doing my natural thing. And I see in front of me, I had my son with me. And I see this man outside of the doors that was, he looked, he, had, he felt to me that he was homeless, that he was, but, but it's snowing. It's snowing in Lake Tahoe. So it's kind of like rare to be homeless in Lake Tahoe. Uh, he had on brand new jeans. He had on a black leather jacket that was thin with a t-shirt. So it's like, what are you doing here in 22 degree weather? You know, brand new shoes but why am I feeling like you don't belong here? Like you're like, you're not of this, like you're, you're homeless. Right. And so I kind of, you know, sometimes in your mind, you're like, okay, what if he's dangerous or, you know, like, I don't know why I was thinking that I was just being protective of my son. I was in kind of like this place with the new diagnosis. So I held his hand and I was trying to like go behind him and like, so that he wouldn't notice me. You know, I was just trying to get, make my way to Rubio's where my husband was ordering lunch for us. And I got to the Rubio's door and like, I opened the door and I heard him call to me. His back is still to me. Now we're on the side, sort of, he's not looking at me. And he says, do you have cancer? And I was like, oh, what, what? And he started to walk towards me. And I said, I, I do. I do have cancer. And he said, I'm going to perform a healing on you. And so he held up his palm and he had the star of David in green ink. I don't know where he got this green pen, right? So it's like a triangle and a triangle, right? And he says, I've been working with these for about five years. This is how Jesus healed people. He spun them. He vibrated them. That's what the star of David is. Okay. So he's talking about this. I don't even know if that's the right, but anyways, he's like, these triangles are it. So he holds, holds it over my abdomen, which is where that the melanoma was. And then he said, by the way, your son's a healer. And then he said, you're going to be healed in 21 days. Okay. So I, Went in, I was talking to my husband after that. He just kind of walked away. 
I was crying. I was telling my husband and I was like, I should give him money or something. I mean, he's cold. He's got like this shirt, like, you know, he's got this t-shirt and he's got this like thin, like jacket. He had an Irish accent. He had blue eyes, you know, it's like so weird, so rare, right? So strange, so amazing, so miraculous. Went out there, could not find him anywhere. Could not find him. And to the day, 21 days, I had my surgery that created clear margins. So again, it's this natural and this Western hybrid, if you think about it, like it's the same thing where it's like, get this phenomenal, miraculous message. And then there's this action in, in the, on the planet that I have to do in order to get there. From what you've told me, it, it appears that your very first spiritual experience happened when you were two. Was there yeah. anything else that happened before that? Before two? Mm -hmm. Not that I can remember. That was my first uh, awareness that I was in a two-year-old body, but that I was much larger than that. That I was already wise and grown up. And, you know, that's, uh, that was the big thing that happened. I was just wondering, perhaps, you know, was that two-year-old the one thing that started all these experiences for you? Or is there something even perhaps that happened, like even with your birth, that maybe opened the veil for you? Oh, you, just brought, you just brought my awareness to this. Okay, my mom, my mom is very spiritual, right? She, she's super against religion. Like I told you, she grew up in the guru thing. So... But at age 18 is when she had me. And she said, after she gave birth, and now that's in the 60s. So in those days, you know, like, I think they just put you out, you know, put you out. You know, you didn't even experience the birth in those days, I don't think. So she was coming out of it. And this Indian woman from India, and she had a red dot here. She carried me into my mom and laid me on her belly. And she said she felt just this incredible love from this woman. And that she said, your child is very special. And she just felt this incredible love from this woman. And then she just walked out of the room. And when later on, when she was asking, you know, for that, that nurse, like, where's that nurse? She's from India. I saw her. I'm just, I would like to know her name. I would like to know, you know, uh, where she's at. And they were like, there's no, there's no nurse here from India. So that's, that's your, you, you brought that up, Jeff, because that's like your, your intuitiveness bringing about that story. I haven't, I don't, I haven't, thought of that since my mom told me when I was little. So that was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, there's something obviously going on, you know, from birth where it's just a little bit different, you know, like there's some differences happening there. You mentioned that you're a singer. Have any of these experiences affected the way that you sing? Yes. So since that first uh, experience that open vision is what I want to call it, um, with Jesus in my early twenties. Um, every time before I 
sing. I asked for just Christ light to, you know, like I, I almost like see it and envision it that it's like this, like luminescent, like all the, all the colors of the rainbow just coming out of my voice. And there have been times where I've literally turned around and like just said a prayer and asked for the love of God to go through my voice and to, you know, help people with whatever they're dealing with, you know, in the audience. And there have been times like I remember I was singing, I was pregnant. I was pregnant with my son, eight months. And I, I did that prayer and I was singing a whole lot of love, Led Zeppelin, you know, and um, all of the people, instead of, you know, you had a corporate party, they're all dancing with each other or they're, you know, rocking out or they're doing whatever, or they're laughing. I had my eyes closed as I was singing and praying. But then when I opened my eyes, they had all turned towards me and they were actually reaching out to be touched in kind of like a concert kind of way, like where you feel that energy. Like sometimes you do that when you're with a headliner, you're like, oh, I just want to touch them or whatever. It was like that. But I think that it wasn't me that they wanted to touch. I think it was that that unconditional love that I was, you know, asking to come out of my voice. <laughs> After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you up yes. for that? I'm up for that. I have a website. And I can drop that in comments. Um, you know, it's angelintuitiveministry.com. And um, I do readings. I do AIM sessions and all that good stuff. I'll also send the link uh, for my book. It's it's right here. Or like, if you want to see it, it's right here. But um, it's on Amazon. And it's also like um, published, self-published through Balboa Press, which is an affiliate of Hay House. So it's on the Hay House website and it's on all those other forums like Google Books and Goodreads and things like that. Um, and yeah, so I would love it if you, uh, you know, anybody out there wants to uh, read my book and maybe even give me a review on it. I would just adore that. You know, that's always helpful. Reviews are always helpful. And um, I would love to just, you know, comment and and get connected to people. You know, you can always subscribe to my website and then we're connected that way. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? There's some viewers that are watching that feel really alone. And I just want to say that you are not alone. That um, that afterlife, that unconditional love is always around you. And if you're feeling uh, shy or, you know, to, to share your message, your own message, you know, it's, it's time now to come out, come out of the darkness and share that light and that expanded consciousness. And um, I just think the world is, is in great need of love and positiveness and the information, the real knowledge that heaven is real. Kim, thank you for that message. And thank you for being my guest. You are so awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you. And so are you. Talk to you soon. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast.
I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.